From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. Continuing professional development is getting a facelift in general practice, with the beginning of CPD homes and a shift from a points-per-triennium system to an hours-per-year one. APRA and the national boards were the architects of the new framework, which is set to take effect in January of 2023. But a lot of GPs aren't happy about the overhaul and say it could add bureaucracy to a system which isn't broken. And others have concern about the government dictating what medical CPD is appropriate, rather than allowing the specialty to determine what's most valuable for itself. This episode, we are joined by Dr. Yumer Masood, a Victorian GP and the Vice President of the Australian Society of General Practice. Thanks for joining us, Yumer. Thanks for having me. So at the end of July, the Health Minister, Greg Hunt, approved a new CPD framework, and it's a change that's been pushed by APRA and the national boards, which would see all registered doctors completing similar activities, regardless of their specialty, from January 2023. But this move's been met with widespread criticism from a number of GPs. Could you tell us what's happened and why you think the profession is so upset with the change? Um, look, I think the first thing, uh, Francine, is that the devil's in the details. And I, I think the, the medical board and uh, the authorities concerned haven't released all the details, which is the first thing that a few people are quite upset about. Um, You know, the other thing that uh, a lot of GPs are also saying is that why are we fixing a problem uh, that doesn't need to be fixed? At at the end of the day, is this going to make us better GPs? Uh, Where is the evidence for that? We haven't seen the evidence for the changes to make us better doctors, to make our practice safer. Um, So hence, uh, there's a bit of trepidation with that. The other thing is also that uh, the regulations have changed to include things like self-reflection. Um, as a major component within the CPD requirements. And we're not entirely sure exactly what that means. Um, the, the, you know, Dr. Anne Tonkin from the medical board said that she just wrote a paragraph, uh, but the requirements are that we need to do it for about 25 hours. So I'm not entirely sure how all that fits in at this stage. Yeah, and I think one of the issues that a lot of people have is the fact that it's quite unclear what activities will be the equivalent to, say, or comparable, say, to what people are doing at the moment. At the moment, with the RACGP, I believe people do 130 activity points. From your experience, how many hours are people spending at the moment under that system, and what are they expected to be doing under the new regime? Look, the, the, the thing is that the previous uh, CPD requirements worked very well uh, in the sense that uh, we did do CPD activities. The thing you've got to also understand is that GPs have a very broad range of scope unlike other specialists. So each GP will have different requirements that they might need to sort of uh, look at and address. Uh, the activity-based CPD uh, works very well in that respect. So if you've got a knowledge gap let's say in skin cancer, you can go and look at activities based on skin cancer and therefore, you know, you would get um, uh, the training that's required. Um, the, the problem is that the self-reflection aspect of this is not something that we're clear on and we're not sure how that's going to add to what we do. Uh, so I think for general practice, it's not really something that uh, is sort of hitting the mark with most people. Uh, the vast majority of GPs that I speak to are all uh, against the idea. In fact, I've not really met many that have said, look, this is a great thing. We should do more of this. 
from what I understand under the changes, there are three main changes. The first is that there's the introduction of CPD homes and that will really diminish the duopoly that the RACGP and ACRAM currently have over CPD. And it means that other organisations who get accredited by the Australian Medical Council can become a CPD home. The other one, which is more controversial, which you've already spoken about, is that the CPD activities have to show that doctors are improving the value of their professional development. And they've broken that down that people do 25 hours of reviewing their outcomes and measuring their performance, 12.5 hours that are more traditional learning hours, such as conferences and lectures. And the other 12.5, you can choose basically from three types of different CPD. And I believe that you can also count um, hours that you spend more um, doing more casual interaction with your colleagues, whether that's on groups or in social media forums. But that does seem like quite a drastic change, especially if it's not specifically outlined what those hours are. Is that your interpretation? Yeah. Look, 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 I mean, again, as I kept saying, if it's not fixed, why are we trying to fix it? Right? I mean, if it's not broken, why are we trying to fix it even? Um, at the end of the day, the CPD activities actually work really well for general practice. Uh, people believe in them, we're used to it, it works well. So where's the evidence that this change is going to help us in any way? Uh, there's a you know, few other things that are uh, you know, uh, fairly um, irrelevant to general practice that people are sort of also pondering on. And one of the things is... Um, you know, for part-time workers, you know, the requirements uh, for within a, a, a year is 50 hours. We don't know whether that's pro rata uh, for part-time workers. Um, so uh, it, it may impact a, a lot of working mothers who are GPs. So this this is a little bit unfair. Um, the other thing is also, you know, how as practice owners, uh, you know, can you support your contractors to do some of the CPD activities? Uh, you know, is that paid for? How is that looked after? So, so we, if you're doing things like reviewing performance, um, you know, how do we how do we do that? Do we do that within the practice? Do we do that as a group activity? Do we do this and individuals? Uh, and you know, how do we actually measure the outcomes? Uh, we don't really know uh, what's expected. So, you know, if if we actually look at things like look how many uh, of our diabetics have had HbA1c's done. Is that enough? And then if we go ahead and say, look, we're going to try to make some changes to uh, make that better for my practice, is that considered enough reflection? So, so I think the details are what we're all after because to do things like that, it does take a fair amount of time. It's not a, not a very easy thing to pull out of the software very quickly to have a look at. Mm. So a few years ago when this was first being pushed the late RECGP president, Harry Nesplin, told us here at TMR that he, at least, at the very least, thought that the data that was gathered through practices that participated in the PIP quality improvement should count towards those 12.5 hours of tracking progress. And yet we still don't know if that would be an activity, say, that is counted towards that outcome in this new CPD arrangement. The the other thing is that it seems like the RACGP only recently reformed their own CPD program and now it's really being pulled out and replaced by this. Do you think that it's unusual that the college is so supportive of this new CPD arrangement given that they rejected 
the plan exploded a few years ago? No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, I I do wonder whether some of these things have got to do with the opening up of the CPD uh, hubs as opposed to just the traditional college model. Uh, I think um, the new requirements that are being uh, put forward uh, may suit uh, the RACGP better to hang on to their membership base uh, so that they can provide the new CPD requirement. I think if new CPD hubs come into being, uh, are they going to be able to you know, handle the current requirements and what exactly are the requirements? The details have not been released in that sense. So I think it's going to make it very difficult for other providers to actually get into the market, which is what a lot of people thought would happen once the CPD, uh, you know, hubs were opened up, if you like, as opposed to just having the college uh, duopoly. Mm. I also have to ask, because it's a comment that I've seen a lot on social media, that this new CPD reminds a lot of GPs of what happened in the UK where the CPD activities became more and more of a bureaucratic exercise. And I ask because you worked in the UK for some years, could you maybe give some insight into what the CPD program was like for GPs there and whether the claims are founded that this new CPD protocol coming into place in 2023 looks similar to that program that UK GPs saw? Look, I think I think traditionally in Australia we seem to actually follow the UK system. Uh, for for good or bad, we seem to sort of look at their changes, and for some reason, we seem to adopt most of them. Um, we do know that they have a lot of problems up in the UK with regards to general practice. A lot of GPs are leading the profession in droves. Um, CPD is one of those reasons as well. There's a lot of bureaucratic bungling with it. Uh, it doesn't serve its purpose, which is what the main problem is. So I think the other fear with what's happening at the moment is that the CPD in Australia is now being sort of bureaucratically managed at at this stage. So if that is the case, are we getting value for what we need from an educational perspective, Uh, you, you know, to actually meet the knowledge gaps that we need? Uh, a lot of people don't feel like these hours of reflection are really going to add to what they're going to do. So mm. although it might, uh, you know, fulfill a bureaucratic need, is it going to actually fulfill the need that the doctor has? And I think that that is one of the biggest problems that people have with this suggestion. It seems like it's the government once again saying what GPs need from the top and ignoring what the profession says that it needs. What do you see as needing to happen so that GPs can basically lead their own profession? Look, I think this is part of the reason why ASGP was formed. Um, We do believe that GPs need a stronger voice. Uh, We do believe that the government should not be dictating uh, things like this. They should be consulting and actually listening to what's required. Uh, and, And if they come up with plans after they've actually consulted widely with different stakeholders, uh, they would come up with a better plan that would actually work better. At the moment, there's a lot of GPs even looking at the CPD program and suggesting, look, I'm going to retire early. This is not working for me. Now, given the fact that we're not really attracting enough GPs into the profession already, is this a wise move? You know, I think the government needs to also be seen to be contributing to, um, you you know, the, the, the discussion with GPs. And I think uh, for a lot of things over the years, especially in the recent past, it is all top-down. 
uh, is there's very little feedback going the other way where the government's actually listening to what's being said. Look, I think uh, from uh, the Society of General Practices uh, point of view, like I said, we're not very happy with the new changes. Uh, at, the, at the moment, obviously, uh, you know, the government uh, has made this regulation. So I think uh, from 2023, we're all going to have to... Um, go ahead and do what's required, but hopefully we are going to make sure that we campaign to make sure that we try and get some sort of a change. So whether that change happens before 2023 or afterwards, this is something on our radar and we will make sure that we fight for general practice to make sure that the CPD requirements are relevant to our practice. Dr. Amir thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you, Francine.